go. Broadcasting from Essex, it's the 19th of April and you're listening to Salonomics. The Bitcoin price is currently $56,700. I'm your host, Aaron Dawn, and joining me once again from North London is my head... Jose Mourinho. Oh, yeah. Joe yeah, Mene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Hi, well, Joe. Thank you very much. Yeah, I've been sacked before. He's been sacked four times. <laughs> well, have you ever been sacked? Um, yeah, of course. Of course. You have been sacked. Yeah. Well, it's about definition, isn't it? Have I resigned? Have I been asked to leave? Or have I been fired? You've I've been pro- fired. I've, I've gone through speaking. all of those things. I've, been, yeah, I've gone yeah, through I, all of those things. Yeah, but actually, so to actually come to work one day and say, "Mate, you're out. I don't yeah. want you." Yeah. Have you ever had that? Have you ever had that to your face? Uh, no, because every time that's on the wind, that's on the cards. I res- I managed to get in. Oh, I quit oh, I before I get fired. Oh, well, I was, was constructive. Then you actually sort of knew you were gonna, you actually purposely forced as well, just to get a bit of unemployment money. Was it? You know, no, so, yeah, no. No, no, no. Because technically, if you quit, then you're not um, you're not yeah. allowed to um, right. get no, benefits. That's right. So that's yeah, why yeah. I would do it because it would kind of like force my arm. Like, why did you leave there? Well, I mean, look, going back to my one of my previous jobs. I'm not saying which one. I knew the bullet was coming. I knew the yeah. bullet was coming because I could see the the technicals and the the balance sheet of the company and how it had changed. Yeah. So and, and, you, and know, you were a high earner, so you were the first one out. <laughs> I, I wish, I wish. No, I think it was more of a case of they made my life untenable because right. they wanted me to quit because I had a permanent contract. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was it was a case of you know I was being pushed. They, they, Before they, I was they, fired, do you know what I mean? Did, so. they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did it. They did a Diego. They did a Diego. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Which, which, you know. Yeah, exactly. No, listen. It, it, it's it's not a nice feeling. I I, I agree. With you. I I was on the. Um, I mean, when I got sacked by Neville, right? I actually wanted to get sacked because I actually did want to sort of say to him, you know, sort of like my, open my salon up and then say. Mate, I'm leaving. Uh, mm. it, it, you know, it would have been, he would have done all his best to try and convince me to say, stay, mm. right? Well, I know, right? I've got a salon opening up next door, you know, in, in the next couple of minutes. So it was better he sacked me, to be honest mm. with you. Even though I didn't like it, I really hated it when he when he told me, right, that he, does, he doesn't want me in the salon anymore. I thought, oh, you know, it's, it's like being ducked by a girlfriend you really hate, you know what I mean? And um, she done and, you a favour. Yeah, you've done your favour, but it still hurts, right? Yeah, so for sure. It, 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 and you kind of leave a bitterness to it, really, I suppose. And to this very day, I mean, 20 mm. years down the line, I've, I've had my salons, I've had my successes, and um, now I'm retired, but it still hurts. Yeah. <laughs> you know All right, I mean? well, well, looking, yeah, but looking back, looking back, though, you know, it was those decisions and those chapters in your life which have kind of made you who you are today, right? So of course, that's what I mean. I mean, I'm in a fantastic place, right? But well, I, I think it's the way it's done. I mean, sometimes people can sort of get rid of people in, in, in ways that that is for both parties mm. the right thing to do. I, I suppose, yeah. So like going back in sort of 2002 when, when Neville um, Neville rang me up on a Sunday um, evening, and you know, I just sort of getting ready to go to work, uh, like for Monday, like you know, getting everything, sort of my, my clothes and everything. Right? And he brings me up, so I don't really come back to um, to the sun tomorrow. It, it kind of like, oh, you know what I mean? That type of thing. It just keep out the blue. Anyway, let's yeah. fig- forget about that. Let's go on to, to um, today. Um, yeah. So, what do you think of the uh, European Super League? Um. Yeah. Um, I weren't ready to. I was going to explore the old firing thing. I think that's quite an, an, an important thing to talk about, first of all. Um, but oh, but yeah. yeah. Okay, go on, go on. I yeah, no, about. I was. Uh, well, you know, sometimes like these decisions kind of, you know, happen and everything happens for a reason, right? It's how you yeah. react to it afterwards. I mean, I know me for, for certain, it really helps shape my. Um, my personality into kind of understanding more of who I am. So it must have kind of killed you at the time to be fired from Neville, somewhere that you'd spent two two of your best decades of your life. 
but ultimately, but ultimately, you know, it's it worked out all right in the end, right? So sometimes this this force change is good, right? No, no, it, it was going to happen. I mean, either way, one way or another, it was going to happen. It, like like I said, two thousand two, I I got sort of like got together with um, my investors. Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, that took about sort of like three to sort of six months of. Um, business plans, meetings, and this and that. Yeah. And I got together a few of the staff that were at Neville's to support me. Mm. And um, that kind of gave me the impetus to actually sort of go ahead with um, looking for premises to, to start my own business. Yeah. And that the, the thing was, was that when, when you start this um, chain of events, what happens is, right, it becomes Chinese whispers. Someone always talks. Within, within these salon, salon walls, mm. right, one way or another. And uh, because you can't keep a secret, a secret in, in, in a salon environment, you just can't, as you know. Uh, mm. and, and somehow, never got wind of it. And, and then he kind of like... Self-preservation. It. Yeah, but it's right. self-preservation, isn't it? Because he yeah. can see you taking clients with you and whatnot. And also competition, and unnecessary competition. And staff. And yeah, staff exactly. potentially, so yeah, yeah, I suppose. But because uh, I wanted to make a reference to our favorite, one of our favorite films, which is Moneyball, right? Yeah. Uh, and there's a great line in there about you know every player will prefer a bullet to the head rather than you know a thousand cuts. Yeah. Do yes. you know what I mean? It was like yeah. how to deliver Swift. that your fired message. You know, they don't want to be tortured with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Just yeah, like yeah, kind of yeah, get yeah. it over and done with. So that that's basically where I wanted to get to with this. Like, yeah, because I, I, I think in your situation, right, you you want to leave anyway. Right, I believe because you. No, 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 no. I was, I was very happy in my job, but like I say, was I was just given. But, yeah, but you saw it coming. But you saw I saw it coming. it coming because my job was just made untenable. Like I say, I was then taking on more and more people's responsibilities, and and obviously when when someone gives you more and more responsibility, there's two reasons to that. They basically want to get rid of you, or B. Um, you know, it's a, right? or, or, well, it's a cost cutting. Well, it's a cost cutting exercise. Because they can rely on you. Did, did you not think that they relied on you so much that you become indispensable? Because no staff is indispensable. Okay? Yeah, for sure. But I, 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 I don't believe in that theory. I really no, I just, I just saw it as two ways, as like a cost cutting exercise. Um, right. You know, how I was at the time, I was like, I was doing really well and I was getting some amazing successes. Um, but I just yeah. knew it was an American company and they are ruthless. I knew what was coming round the corner because I'd basically been given three three people three people's work to do on a single person's salary. So there was that resentment that comes from being an employee right. that I'm now doing two but, other people's work and I'm not getting diddly squat for did, it. But then your contract uh, stipulated that this is what you were supposed to do and you know, A, B, and C, you were supposed to do D, E, E, F type of thing, right? Yeah. And I would have thought, with, with the American, right, being so stickless for um, contracts, okay, that yeah. they made sure that the contract is... Was secure on, uh, yeah, and yeah. in their favour. It was in their favour. Yeah. It was in their favour. Right. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, it, it, it is, um, it's, look. Contracts are important, uh, right? It, it is important. And, important. And it's, look, you, you've got a very strong mindset. I've, I've got a very strong mindset. People, I, I'm not sort of saying everybody's strong, but some people can't handle this kind of rejection. Mm. You, you, do you know what I mean? And it can, it, it can sort of like, really, especially in our industry, because we're so sensitive to you know, losing a client or mm. upsetting a staff or a, a client. You know, you know Jeremy, there's so many issues in, in a selling environment, right? You've really got to be very, very, um, not thick skin. Yeah, I think, yeah, thick skin is the word. Mm. That uh, all these things that, that happens in everyday um, events, you, mm. you, it's just got to bounce something. I mean, one thing I do remember in all the years of working in, in salons and being as an employer, right? I never got attached to staff. Mm. Did, did you... Did you ever see the film Spartacus? No. Yeah, pro- well, probably, but you know. Right, you know when he goes to the sort of gladiator school, right? You know, there's there's the, there's a fantastic actor, uh, Strober Martin, um, whatever his name is. It's sort of very majestic um, Afro-Caribbean actor, you know, black actor, right? Mm. Fantastic. And he goes up to him and says, "Hey, what's your name?" He gets me, man. He said, "I don't want to know your name because I might have to kill you." Sure. 
right? Because it's a gladius school, you know what I mean? I love so, your movie references. Yeah, yeah no, that's, and, that's and, perfect. Yeah, and, and you know, and I can't remember in in a cell or cell environment. But while they while they're all working in a cell, they're my friends. But mm. whilst they're outside of cell, they're not my friends. You know, mm. they we hairdressers, but I never ever linked that with um, ex employees. Yeah, uh, or ex staff because. Yeah. It, we were only friends in that salon, nowhere mm. else. Um, yeah, it's an extremely competitive market that we yeah. work in. Every day we go to work, you know, we are putting ourselves out there to be judged 10 times a day by 10 exactly. different customers. We're putting our necks on the line every single day. So uh, if there's if there's an industry out there that's more thick-skinned uh, than hairdressers um, let us, uh, yeah, or, let us or the hair and beauty industry, I mean... You know, obviously, I worked in the session industry, which was a, a daily, um, basically a daily task of getting rejected. Also, you know, so it's, yeah. it's it's it is one of these things that the actual competition process and, and this whole this whole how the how the industry evolves over time it involves competition. Like we faced with it every single day. You know, mm. this is this is nature. This is the nature of it. And, and they would do anything they can right, to actually slug your name in order mm. to get your client. And I've said it before when we were um, talking about the uh, chop the fat and save the salons. These 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 so-called elite salons who were sort of like oh we're mm. together. You know, we, they were they were never in it together. Never mm. in a million years because I know. I know we all mug. Yeah, one voice. Um, we want we want one voice to talk to all talk for all of us. Yeah, yeah we can talk about it a bit later on because uh, the hair and beauty kit, the hair council that would collect their salon owners. They they combined, they joined up, haven't they? To yeah, yeah, great little marketing scheme, you know. Did, combine did the you, audience. Did you see my reply that. to that? Uh, I didn't, mate. Um, oh, I hope wow. you will share it with us now. Was it slightly well, yeah, controversial? It, well, not really. I, I just sort of say, these people make me laugh. I said, you know, these sort of self-righteous, uh, egotistical fanatics complaining about the um, the government not taking the um, the industry seriously because there's too many voices. And mm. here they are. They're making another voice. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's not like saying, all right, guys, let's all get together. You know, the Harry hair, hair Beauty Council, the Barbara Council, every every. Body in the industry. The, yeah, the, peop, the People's Barbers Council of Judea. Oh, exactly. And the, the, the Judea's Barbers Council's People's exactly. Front. Yeah. Right. So we're all getting together. Let's sit down together. No, what mm. they do, they go and form one other one and say, yeah. we're the voice. Yeah. I know. Right. I know. Look, it's all um, marketing, mate. It's oh, all no, packaging. It is. It is, it is it all is. packaging. Um, okay. Brilliant. Well, yeah. I have been fired. You've been fired. Right. And we've all come out better for it the other yeah, side right exactly yeah I'm not as rich as Jose Mourinho his pet is getting 20 not, million <laughs> wow wow alright well here's another question for you then right, have right. you ever left a salon in worse shape than when you started there a la never. Mourinho never so never. Are, is Joe Mehmet the Jose Mourinho of the hairdressing industry or not no listen if, if anything right every salon I've worked in mm. uh, they, they actually benefit from me that, yeah. that was that, that was the uh, that's a given actually yeah because because i i had the um yeah when i look back on it i, I was i wasn't egoistical or anything like that i wasn't a, a prima donna as such but i was so infectious you know i, I brought i brought realism to the to the floor you know yeah. people you have a sort of like uh, you love me or you hate me whichever it was but i was real there was no um i, I was transparent i was honest uh, you know, in I'm surprised yeah. no one called you Joe Marmite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, that's a good one. They call me many things, mate, but not that. Yeah. Um, and, right. and I, I got to sort of say, there's, there's one person that I know very, and you know very well, right? Mm. Who to this very day has taken the credit for establishing a salon that mm. she wasn't there when it first started. <laughs> no. Right. I can't right. imagine there's anybody out there that would do that. There, there is, right? To this very day. You know, that's it, all, all the credit that this Surely service. not. Surely yeah. not. No. Anyway, quick, let's move on before you, uh, before I have more um, litigation to deal yeah, with. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so then, Joe, right. Um, feedback from last show, right? I, um, I've spoken to a very few, um, very few in influential people in the industry. They've all listened to the last show and they actually kind of have all come back and said it was our best yet. So what really? did we do different last time that was so good? I, 
you know what I think because we did have a plan, didn't we? We just we just waffled. Did it? Did, did, when, I, when I say waffle, we just so what we do, what we used to normally do. Um, like every day we so when I'm walking your dogs, you sort of get up cooking breakfast with your kids. I just ring you up and we just have a chat, don't we? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, we know we try to produce it, don't we? We try to yeah. kind of like you know get a framework and a formula. Yeah, together and, and actually and go. Look, what should we talk about today? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We, I mean, I think the when when we saw like um, you know go back go back before we did the show, mm. we saw like talk about football, talk about politics, talk about Brexit. We, yeah, there's a lot of issues we always talk about, but it was never mm. hairdressing as such. No. We did. We we saw the we talked about hairdressing in lots of ways because um, we saw the faults in the industry, yeah. which all which has all come true. And obviously COVID, we've got we've got anecdotes for days as well that yeah, have all like yeah. taught us things. So yeah, I yeah. suppose there is that one thing that you know that there's that common thread that yeah. that should go for everything we do. And hopefully there's enough people out there that can relate to some of the stuff. Yeah, uh, and, and I think well. and I think what we I mean I I suppose with your clients and my clients these days that we do so privately mm. and, and you know with our conversations that we all we all have the same thinking. You know we're all like minded. Yeah, yeah. With there's no sort of like controversy or there's no arguments as such. We could we could disagree. Yeah, totally. We can have a full, open, honest discussion without falling out. You know, that's right. Like two adults. Exactly, and I think that's where I think the the last show that we. We talked about it because I can't remember what we talked about it because there was no structure to the show, was there? Well, it um, was called it was Salonomics Twenty Seven and it was called Power and Technique and oh, you know right. sometimes yeah, the it was a government yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 but yeah. and it was it was the secret to a long career basically you know yeah. technique equals yeah. longevity long term yeah. and stuff like this yeah. and yeah, things yeah, that yeah, are pleasing yeah. to the eye. So we draw a lot of conclusions out of a conversation that surrounded you know people like Roger Federer and. You know, yeah. Tiger Woods and so So it kind of just, it really just evolved, didn't it? We just kind of explored. Whereas before, normally I would try and come up with a question before the show and ask you the question or, you know, and then we would extrapolate that way. This, that was completely organic and it kind of just happened. And, and one more thing is, um, I, we was obviously super busy, you know, with our other work. So we yeah. didn't have the time uh, yeah. to... To pre-produce anything, so yeah. Can anyway. Go back to the show, though. I mean, I, can I can I mention a very good friend of mine? Well, I mean, I haven't seen him for a few years, right? But I was being mm. very friendly with him. Mm. Um, was Mark Pierre White, and you know, when I when I mm. sort of first came across him, sort of twenty odd years ago, yeah. Uh, I, I sort of go and um, you know, talk to his, you know, sort of be his drinking partner and such. Well, you two he got was, very similar hair type, mate. We did have, we did have, yes. Mm. Um, so you were like hair twins. Is that, is that, is that, was that your icebreaker? <laughs> yeah, it was. No, not really. I think he was just like, sort of six foot socks and humongous and, you know, and he saw me in a salon, right? You know, sort of like five foot ten and I was quite big in the salon. You right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but, and I remember I was sort of talking to him, we were talking about work, right? You know, his, mm. his, uh, mode of operations and my my sort of work of reference and things like that right how he mm. how he cooks and very he, he always cooks to a variance now he all he all started with fish and chips basically speaking and just got fish and chips and and it, and it, it, it is no way really right exactly gordon rounds of the same thing it all started with fish and chips type of thing anyway um and we were talking about the um our sort of like talents and i said to you know sometimes mark i said to him i just think I'm doing. I, I need. I need to go back to the drawing board because I'm doing a haircut. And I think, God, Joe, you need to sort of like go back to the drawing board because this is awful. This is mm. awful, you know. And I look back on it. I think, God, that's a, such a bad haircut. Now the client wouldn't know any different, but I did. Sure. You know what? You know what he said to me. What he, he said say? to me. He said to. I'll never forget. I probably used it many times in the show. Talent never dies. It's as simple as that. Class and is permanent. Well, you can you can add on to it, but it says talent never dies, right? Mm. It, 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 it it could it could it could sort of like dwindle out a little bit. It could sort of like relight itself a bit, whatever. But talent never dies, and it was so spot on because it, it made me think. It's, it's so right. And you're talking about Tiger Woods. You're talking about Roger Federer. You're talking about you know all these greats, all right? They're so talented. 
and they will always be talented hence why they're so unbeatable right mm. i would think so and again you know in our industry to have long liberty you, you, ha you have to be talented in, in a sense for sure it, it, you know it doesn't matter what talent is but talent never dies talent never dies but i think part of the talent is the the work ethic though right you know yeah. obviously you and marco pierre white had to put the put the hours in right you had to do the, the work beginning, in of order course, of course, in order to develop the principles that that stood you through your career right and this is yeah. this is this is why you know this is why i love listening to the way that you talk about your career because you've you've got all these little gems of wisdom that you've picked up over the years that you can't put in a you know in a textbook you know no, you can't put that. that in a textbook so yeah. and the sad thing is i can't even teach it really as well i could yeah i've got my nephew who, who comes to my house and i saw like i haven't seen him for a couple of weeks admittedly but um i, I try and guide him you know with with, mm. with certain things so but these wisdoms right these words of wisdom they're more encouragement rather than um than you know the be be all and end all type because we all go through periods where we just doubt ourselves don't we you know mm. and, and when you're an apprentice even as a hairdresser you're starting out uh whatever, whatever situation you may be you always have doubts mm. and if, if someone could give you or a little nudge and and this has to be within your covering yourself and sort of say yes i, I could pick myself up and go to that, that extra uh, yard you actually become better for it because a lot of people do tend to fall back and i remember you telling me about um sort of hairdressers who yeah oppressors who give up hairdressers and they're going to barbering all right because they can't have the hairdressers side of it and then when they become barbers they actually wish they got into hairdressing mm. you, you know what i mean rather than just sort of stick that little bit more longer yeah uh, well 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 can i refer it back to what you just said about Marco Pierre White. He started yeah. off as fish in fish and chips. Yeah. You know, if he started off doing fish and chip, like, you know, I don't know, doing well, his... Well, you dress it. You dress well, it. You, how you, no, how you no, 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 no. No, the point I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make is, you know, Marco Pierre White, he perfected fish and chips. Yeah. And then he built, you know, going yeah. into hairdressing, doing hairdressing, barbering, trying to do all the disciplines at once in the first year... I've always, that's been my one criticism of the MVQ. It tries to package everything up into one mm. thing. And as we know, there's many disciplines that you need to be on top yeah. of to yeah. be a, a successful hairdresser. And it's impossible to pick all those up in the first year, first two years of like doing a, a college, it, 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 well, college not course. In its, not in its first two years. Forever, as long as forever. You're yeah, no, but that, but that's what I mean, and that, and that's yeah. why I think the quit rate, the quit ratio of you know young young people and apprentices, because it's overwhelming how yeah. much they are told they have to do before they reach the next stage. You know, for and, and, you, and it, yeah. for you in your career, like if I can make that, it was was it six months you had to make the tea uh, and tidy the salon up before you well, even got to touch touch hair. Well, yeah, but before you shampooed, right? Was, yeah. I, if I remember right, at least it was at least three months. At least mm. three months. Yeah, and you, you really wanted to get into a sort of shampooing hair because you get tips. Mm. You know? I mean, it wasn't because I would be a shampooer. I wanted the tips, you know what I mean? The only time I got a tip, I was when I had to go get a taxi. It was already pouring down rain. You know? Yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. But it was a great test of your attitude as well, right. wasn't it? That's the right. fact that that's you were willing to turn up every day, look smart, be attentive. Um, you know, it was, it was really a very, smart. very important. I don't know about being smart, because Smart as in dress, <laughs> mate, as in dress. <laughs> I think I think your wisdom has, like, overtaken you over the past few years. You know, your your, your prepubescent smarts have now revolved into, like, full-on guru wisdom status, mate. And look, yeah, those, yeah, those grey hairs, mate, they're wisdom highlights, right? Exactly. Look, I, and I kind of think every, every hairdresser... Has has it in them as well to come up with sort of little quirks that they it, it, it kind of gives them comfort. Yeah, their signature, you know, right? You know, yeah, you, yeah. you 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 know, you can't you kind of adapt your own characteristics, don't you? And you yeah. adapt your own personality yeah. as you're kind of venturing through this. So, and, what and I want to yeah, say is, what on. I want to say is, it's an extremely rewarding career. Don't quit. 
just change. Just change it up. Find those things that you enjoy and focus on those. So if you are a, you know, if you are a barber like Joe's um, nephew, you know, he was into doing women's hair to begin with, but he couldn't understand the concept. And then barbering was something he understand, understood a lot more. He he pivoted, didn't he? He pivoted to just doing barbering, and, and now he's, he's, he's thriving, right? That's right, because you saw him do a video, a sort of rap video, this and that. So, mm. but, no, but the, the sad thing is, this is the sad thing that I find with the NBQ, mm. right? and I know we don't want to talk about the NBQ, because no. most hairdressers, when they leave school, right, they actually leave with sort of, I wouldn't say with inspiring qualifications. You know, if I had O-levels, I would never been a hairdresser. In today's world, if you've got a degree, you're not going to be a hairdresser type of thing, right? So mm. one, one thing that today's um, potential hairdressers don't have, right, is is educational, um, attention, to, to ed- attention to education type of thing, right? And they leave school and then they go straight back into a classroom. Is that really inspiring? I mean, I was very fortunate when I left school. I didn't need a pen and paper, you know what I mean? Mm. That, was, that was it. I didn't need a pen and paper. And it was a broom, basically, speaking, yeah. that I had. A broom but, and a kettle. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. at least I wasn't writing down, which wasn't my forte. Even to this very day, I'm, I'm mm. not very good at writing. I mean, that's why the email for me is brilliant, because I could just type it out. But well, it's a bit, like, a bit like you can talk a good game, Joe. Then, yeah, exactly. It? It's a exactly. bit like for the audience. No, exactly. I, I, I think it's a really important point. You know, we've all had our unique upbringings in this industry, and it's about extrapolating, you know, what yeah. they actually bring, yeah. you know, bring to further your career down the road. Anyway, it, should it we is. move on? Yeah, definitely. Right. Um, so then, Joe, I don't know if you've noticed, but I have just had a... Um, you know I'm moving house and all this and yes. all this is going through and in order to move house there's lots of different paperwork and there's lots of um, bureaucracy involved with solicitors to move in. Anyway, so we've just had this guy come round and do a, what's known as an EPC which oh, is like the energy. Energy, energy Proof Certificate or yeah. Domestic Energy Because you can't sell your house without it. You cannot sell your house without it today. Anyway, yeah. so... He's coming to my house. Um, he's, you know, basically measuring up every room. He's checking what light bulb I've got. He's checking, you know, how my uh, are my windows double glazed. You know, have I got insulation? Where's the boiler? You know, all of those kind of things. And and I was intrigued by this. So I said to him, I said, so then, um, why, you know, what? How would you define what you're doing? You know, what is it you're you're doing? He's like, well, essentially, I'm basically giving your house a rating so that the government can essentially say whether you're allowed to rent it out or not. You know, it's to do with sustainability. I'm like, and it got me thought, thinking, sustainability. I've been seeing this word thrown around all over the place just recently. And, you know, we spoke earlier in the year about the, the government quangos and us, being, yeah. us kind of our industry being put into the BEIS sector, which is all yes. about, you know, business, econ- economics and, yes. su- you know, sustainability. sustainability. That's right. Yeah. So what I want to know is, can a salon be sustainable and profitable at the same time? Well, I, I suppose if you... If a seller becomes sustainable, right, they, it's, it's about reducing their carbon footprint, yeah, I would think. Uh, it's all like making it more environmental friendly, recycling, upcycling, all, all these kind of things. So, and then you do away with things you don't really need. And I think we discussed that in a previous show, didn't we, in, in, yeah. in the salons of the future. Yeah, and, so, and the, so the definition, sorry for interrupting, so the definition of sustainability when mentioned in, with business I think it's an oxymoron. Let me give you my take on this. So I think if your business, by its, like when we define sustainability, what are we saying? Are we saying about your business is profitable? Or are we saying that your business is green and not damaging the environment? Is that, no. is that, is that, because I'm, I'm confused as to what the term sustainable, sustainable means in this context. Because surely for you to be in business, your business has to be sustainable, otherwise yes. you wouldn't have a business. Well, exactly, and, and, and the more busy you are, the more you're going to waste. Yes. Okay? 
right? So uh, again, how does where does your carbon footprint comes in here? You you need to get down to a certain level, don't you, in order to be sustainable? If it's above a certain uh, uh, sort of number, it's not sustainable. I said. I, I, I don't know how it works. I'm not. Uh, I'm well, this not, is this is what I want to talk about today because right. for me, like I say. Any business worth its salt is by is sustainable by definition because it's making money, it's turnover profit, it's obviously doing something right. So in a free market economy, you know, business by its very definition is sustainable. Yeah. So for me, it seems like there's this there's they've put a moral code into the word sustainable. They're now trying to define or segregate sustainable businesses as being one is good. For the earth, for the climate, and the other is bad for the for the earth. So, do you, do you think it's kind of elitism then? It's it's a it's a, it's a new way of. Um... I think it's a way of eliminating your competition based on arbitrary rules which don't affect your bottom line. Right. So it, it's not about talent anymore. It's not about what you provide. It's about how about what what you project. Right. It's so about salon, what you project. Im, yeah. It's also about image of the salon. Yes. Right. Yes. That's, yeah. Okay. That's interesting because you know because we because I always sort of say the problem with today's salon is all about image with no substance. Okay. Mm. So so it's quite easy to sort of say okay I'm going to become um, the salon of the future by becoming uh, a sustainable salon. Yeah, I don't care what services I provide. I'm going to be sustainable, and hopefully, I will get a percentage of the market who believe in my philosophy, in my theories. Yeah, and and and, and they will support that business based on their own philosophies rather than the um, the, mm. the the raw materials that they produce. Type of thing. All right. Yeah, well, like I say, I mean, it's, it's very hard to be black and white about mm. something whose definition kind of seems to change and seems to mean, like, have nuances to it. Because um, I, I know, as, as a salon owner, right, yeah, so when we're busy, you're throwing away sort of like tin foils, tubes. All right, they were all in recycling boxes because, you know, Chelsea, Kensington West, um, Kensington Chelsea Council, right? Yeah, you know, they'd find you heavily if you didn't. So you you had to mm. sort of have your recycling box, and you got your waste there. So, was that sustainable salon because I was um, recycling or putting things away, packing my uh, my waste carefully? I don't know, but I would never say I was eco friendly. I mean, I did I did always try and get the best products for my clients. Yes, mm. and always did consider to be. Um, so mindful to of harmful chemicals because as you mm. know i don't like detergents anyway mm. so so I, but i wouldn't say my i wouldn't call myself sustainable no i just find the whole term very uninspiring mate if i'm perfectly yeah. honest like yeah. for me sustainability you know will end up meaning mediocrity you know it will be you know like why would you want it like for me it's a very gray term it's a very beige term it, it doesn't inspire someone with confidence uh, so it wouldn't inspire me to want to go out and be more sustainable okay, you know yeah. if 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 sustainable meant profit then yes let's go out and get more profit but i think i think like i say sustainability is about that's more of a stick than a carrot you know, it's like people are enforcing sustainability on other people. Well, yeah, well, I think I think you got the uh, the media's responsible. They they they're coming up with these sort of like fictitious uh, narratives, don't they? I mean, I'm on the uh, the Professional Beauties website, right? Mm. And they've got their on their website updated brackets ten ways to make your salon more eco friendly, and this is it. And underneath that's the headline. Underneath sure. that is as part of PPs, which is Professional Beauty. Sustainability Week, which starts on the 20th of April to the 26th of April, they give you tips on how to become sustainable and investing right. in reusable right. products. Right, okay, right, okay. So let's put, let's put it into terms we can understand, right? Bottom yeah. line, yeah. It, will sustainability cost you more money? Well, it shouldn't do. 
But, but it will, the, though, right? It, it will. will yeah, By the very will. nature of it, it will. Disposable towels, you know, is obviously going to be more expensive long-term than having a washing machine. Right? Well, like, well, disposable towels will, ha- will actually means chopping down more trees. Of, of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah, Joe, I told you, stop bringing logic into the show. People right. cannot handle your fundamental well, logic. Yes. Okay. So, uh, fundamentally... In order to be sustainable, you're going to have to adhere to a new set of rules that the government will put in place for us everyone to abide by. So by definition, sustainability is going to be a yardstick that no new entrants will be able to get in. If you wanted to open a bagel shop, Joe Mehmet, and you had to conform to every single corona pandemic rule... Um, you know, sanitation rule, eco-friendly green rule, you're not going to open the business, are you? Because there's too many rules at the moment to even consider starting a new business. And my fear is in our industry, when everyone starts talking sustainable, for me, it's tinged with mediocrity. It's tinged with sustainability is for losers. You know, sustainability means, you know, green and follow all the rules. Whereas we know the winners in this industry bend the rules. Or they're the ones that create them. And they're the ones that everyone else creates. Well, they're they're the standard bearers, basically. They're the standard bearers that everyone tries to... No one wants to be like that salon over there because they're sustainable. <laughs> they well, want to be it, like that salon because people are turning up in Rolls well, Royces well, well, and, and all exactly. that. That's right. They, you, that's what you, exactly. You don't want someone to go. Oh, I want to go to that salon because they just pulled up in an electric scooter. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, no, this, this is, so. Would you sort of say right, the 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 people who are actually um, pushing the sustainability in our salons are just virtual signaling then? Yeah, I think there's a projection to it. Yeah, I definitely think there's a projection to it. Like, you know, um, when you define sustainable, when you're talking about economics, like economics as a function is the be-all and end-all, right? So, you know, if you're now having to spend more money on sustainability, like for these sustainability measures, whatever form they come in, Joe, whether it's, you know, solar panels on the roof, whether it's, you know, lighting then the prices are going to be artificially forced upwards, right? Well, yeah, Which... can, I, can I just interrupt you, right? I'm just sort yeah. of reading the, um, what you saw, in, in addition to what you saw saying, right? Well, one of the points that says, I've cut out plastics, right? We yeah. have, we have um, you know, eco-friendly bottles of bar. If you have a bar or offer clients drinks that uses straws, switch to sustainable alternative or eliminate them completely. Now, the guideline says, no refreshments to be served in the salon. So, again, this this article about sustainability is just false representation. Would you not say? Oh, what? So you're saying that it basically doesn't match up to the current the current yes. guidelines. So it's old news then. It's basically lazy journalism, well, no, and they've well, not actually rewritten it to apply to well, today. I, exactly, and, and you know, we're talking about people sort of talking about sustainability. I don't really think they've done their researches into actually what it really means. Because my idea of sustainable, a sustainable salon, right, means financially... Financially, uh, yes. Yes, that's what that's what I'm trying to trying yes. to boil it down to. It, it, like sustainable sh- business... Sustainable business is an oxymoron because by the very nature of the business, being a business, you don't need it to be sustainable. Yes. You need it to make a profit. Yes. And I just feel that more regs and rules will come in that will force more people off the grid because they won't be able to make a profit. No. So no. I just think I just think these rules and regs that come in um, will enforce uh, a lack of new entrance to the space. And, you know, successful businesses will end up kind of not having the incentives to carry on being successful. No, no that's know. right. Or, or they do want to be successful, but not in the way that the um, the British Economic Institution of Science Research or whatever, the BEIS... The politicians, uh, politicians yeah. The politicians right, have decided that we're only allowed to be, be sustainable, sustainable in one way right. and, and not the other and, way. And did we not discuss this? The, the dangers of, of joining such a... Uh, uh, a group, uh, yeah, a, uh, a sort of like a, a business group. 
Well, the slippery slope, isn't it? You know, yeah. because as time goes on, they, they have to justify their means by incorporating more rules. And, and the more people that, you know, swallow these these rules, the more rules that they're going to have to yeah. abide by in future. I think we've seen that kind of unfold over the last 18 months, um, you know, 12 months from the coronavirus, wasn't it? It was like, how many rules is enough? Well, when you're focused on every single rule every day and your entire job is to come up with new rules every day just to justify your existence we're just going to be in a constant headache mate with all right well what's legislation this year you know how 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 sustainable has our business got to be in order to trade this yeah. year you know what changes we got to make this year it's, it's relentless. you know to, it's, it's, relentless. it's relentless and i and i feel so sorry for all of the the salon owners out there that have had like the worst year on record and now they've been they've been welcomed back to the fold with oh here you go guys yeah you can open up but here's another handbook of rules that you're now going to have to abide by in order to trade. Yeah, you've you know. got to be sustainable. You've got to be a sellers of the future. You have to be sustainable. But this, yeah. but this is the thing, though, right? Again, technology could resolve all this, can't it? Well, of course, but it's it's enforcing technology that is not proven onto people before it's proven yes. um you know uh, everyone fuds bitcoin and you know i love to bring it back to bitcoin but everyone fuds bitcoin back to oh you know it boils the oceans and you know it, it consumes them more electricity than than whales do well, well and, no, and no, not whales i mean i heard i heard the antarctic i have Arctic the antarctic <laughs> well yeah of course there's four people that live in the antarctic so of course you know we we know what you can do with these little um statements you can make you can prove prove them to mean anything I, but my, I, my point I, is though my point is bitcoin is a network that is fundamentally held together by incentive and competition so if any electronic or sorry if any electricity consuming thing in the world has an incentive to not use as much electric in order to make more profit and bitcoin is manifests that beautifully because you have to pay for the energy to convert it into money you might you might but now this is the thing though now just say for example Greta Thunberg and her, and her sort of like army of um, Greenpeace, yeah, sort of like, was all of a sudden was her tech Bitcoin because it uses mining takes a lot of energy, right? Yeah. Now, could that could they not sort of say that it's harmful to the environment? Well, that that's what they've been saying for ten years, Joe. But it, it you know, since when has consuming energy been a moral argument? Since when as like you could make that argument and say, well, look, the entire nation, the entire population of the UK spends so much electricity on playing games on their phone or playing games on their Xbox. Who's to say that that person isn't allowed to spend their money on that energy to play that game? Like what? Since when has it become this moral argument? Uh, and my point is. Bitcoin is incentivized to re, re um, to use renewable energy in order to make the the electricity consumption but not only sustainable but cheaper. Is it reusable energy though? Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, because mm. basically, yeah, the electric the electric grid they build um, Bitcoin mining farms close to dams. They they've started using gas because of, because of cooling factor, right? Yeah, so. they've no no. It's not nothing to do with cooling. It's to do with cheap energy, Joe. Where's the cheapest well, energy? Well, the cheapest energy is from is wind. It's from hydro, and it's all of those things. But what makes it difficult to harness that energy is by then creating a grid to transfer that energy to the grid. So it costs someone billions and billions of pounds in investment to you know create the pylons to but then turn that electricity and and service it into the grid and and lots of lots of uh sunlight and everything doesn't get captured every year so what i'm saying is bitcoin is perfectly incentivized to use renewables because they are rewarded in profit for making their business more efficient and it's the economics of bitcoin which makes it um scale which makes it more sustainable not being forced 
and told by someone you shouldn't be allowed to do this because it's not right. Well, how dare you well, tell then, someone that, that they're not allowed to play so, their Xbox? Well, see, someone will. One day, one day, someone will. But just like in our, in our industry, now yeah. they're saying to us, right, that ourselves have to be sustainable. Now, since when was the first hairdresser salon operated? What, 17th, 18th century? All of a sudden now, someone is saying we have to be sustainable. So again, with Bitcoin, anything in life, Aaron, what you find, there's always going to be someone who's going to say completely the contrary to anything that goes against the um, the norm. All right. Yeah. No, uh, I understand. Uh, and, and that's the that's the problem. When you when um, when you give platforms for people to uh, to preach their poison, there's always someone willing to listen. That's mm. and that's a problem. And I think that's where we we find it with this sustainable. Of salons now is that someone's prepared to listen, and someone will actually take it literally. Like we would, like you sent me this on Facebook um, to a woman talking, and she's she's talking about sort of like giving her sort of disposable ties to a client, right, so she can clean her dogs. You know, do you know what I mean? I mean, come on, you know, that's. <laughs> I mean, yeah. where does where's that narrative in a top London salon? You know, I mean, this yeah. is a, you know, I mean, it, it just doesn't equate. I mean, I can laugh at it, and, yeah. and she, and she thinks she's doing the, the doing a favour to the economy and everything, the, the environment. But it's it's a laugh, isn't it? You just go laugh at it. You do. Yeah, I think fundamentally, um, you know, sustainable as a term, it's been hijacked by the intellectuals, yeah. Yeah. isn't it? You know, it's been hijacked by the left. And, and, and once again, it's it's terminology. This is all like can, marketing. Can I can um, I just so just talk about the hijacking thing, right? I, mm. I was listening to the radio yesterday, we were, they were, and they were talking about LTN. You know what LTN is? Low traffic neighbourhood. Okay. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Have you got them in, in Southend? Low traffic neighbourhoods. You know, when they're just really when they're really. closing roads off, they, they're closing roads off, right? And they're pushing the traffic onto another. Onto another part of the uh, the, the area. Okay. No, not really. Not not in not in how you describe. It. Obviously, well, there's certain areas that have speed bumps and stuff like that, well, which that's different, you know right? you avoid. Well, but so low, low traffic. I mean, you've been in London recently, okay? So obviously, you've been, you've just been going on the main road. Now, low traffic neighbourhoods, right? It's all over. It's all over London now. Apparently, Harrow Council, right, mm. has been deemed right that it was illegal. Now, so they, they have to bring it down. They have to sort of like um, dispel it straight away, right? Because they've been ordered by the, um, the courts, right? That it was illegal. Now, what th what they were talking about, right, was that it was all implemented right, by town by council officials who happened to live in those set roads. So mm. what they've done, they've pushed the traffic away from the roads to their neighbouring roads where it devalued that road but put their prices up in their roads. Yeah, so this is like a zoning thing, isn't it? It's right. like, once again, it's unintended consequences coming from a moral well, standpoint, well, right? The, well, the, the injustice is that, right? They don't give a sh These council people, workers, right? They're meant to be mm. working for the people. Instead, they're actually being selfish and working for themselves, right? And looking at the fact that they, they want the best for their, um, their environment. And they don't really give a damn about anybody else, but are shoving all the pop the problems into the, into the neighbouring roads, as in pollution, traffic, noise, etc., etc. And their road is clean, and their house prices goes up by twenty five percent, and the neighbour's um, um, side goes up goes up by twenty percent. You know what I mean? So mm. again, I think it's the, it's the way the world is these days, Aaron. Right? Mm. It's the, it's how people using or. Using trendy uh, modes, as in LTN, sustainability, yeah. trendy really, terms, yeah, exactly. to like, in order to progress, like a moral, yeah, a, yeah, a moral, yeah. you know, argument. Yeah, like I say, um, I just believe that progress comes through incentive. You know, everyone needs a carrot more than a stick, right? Well, and I just feel that su sustainability. They've changed its meaning. You know, well, they're so using it as a term of projection for a moral yeah. projection. Ergo, a project in future has to be sustainable, otherwise it's immoral. Well, no, sir, but also to 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 line their pockets is for their own sake, right? Because progress only comes through. Te I mean, technology 
gives progress, doesn't it? You know, progress mm. comes from technology, whatever, right? But mankind has a habit of progressing naturally because we were striving to be better. Mm. Okay, sustainability doesn't make you better; it makes someone richer, but doesn't yeah. make you better. And I think this is the narratives in today's world. I think what's that's what's just big government, mate. I'm I'm afraid. I'm afraid it's just more and more government. It's yeah. more government, bigger government, and you know, like I say, it's marketing. It you is, know, it's, it's let's take a term that everyone understands and let's give it a political skew. You yeah. know, they did they redefined global global warming, didn't they? Because yeah. oh it was it was too sinister a word to use. So they well, changed no, it to a know, gotcha. You know, no, you know why global warming that they, they, they changed it? Because it didn't right. exist. Well, of course, of course, it didn't fit the narrative, did it? When they when they brought out the data and said, "Oh, actually, there's been a pause. There's been a pause to global warming." It was like, "Ah, oh, you mean you're wrong?" Okay, yeah. So, so basically, it's a gotcha. It's like you know, they change it to climate change. So when someone says to you, Joe Mehmet, do you believe in climate change? When when you when you say yes. It's like, well, obviously, it's a gotcha question. You've got to say yes, because yeah. the climate changes. Yeah, exactly. But if you was to say no, you could be labelled as a crackpot. He don't know what he's talking about. But the term climate change, even though it doesn't say one way or the other, its definition is thrown around to mean yeah. bad things. Yes. Climate change, global warming, greenhouse gases... Stop eating meat. You're polluting the atmosphere. And do you know what I mean? You're warming the planet up and the polar ice caps. So I just think it's this ad hominem gotcha uh, attack on someone. It's to well, say, did, you know, you don't understand. You don't understand life. Well, it's, like, it's like British you know. Thunberg right, going around sort of saying, you're ruining my future. Yeah. yeah. It's her future. But it's yeah. not everybody else's future. It's her yes, future. Her selfish little ways right and, and yeah. you know and I, I kind of think that if you're in a campaign and, and you're doing it for the, for the good of mankind i'm all for it but when it yeah. becomes a, a selfish uh propaganda of an uh, ex excuse of an exercise or whatever it's it may, uh, you could put it right yeah I, I i just i just switch off because climate change for me doesn't exist because it only suits a certain people it doesn't suit everybody yeah 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 for sure for sure yeah. all right then mate well look i think we've um we've 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 covered a few things there haven't we i need yeah. to get my head around how we're going to actually put this out into a, a genuine show Sus sustainability mate sustainability. well maybe maybe i've got to use uh, use the, that was buzzword it, was right? it was it there um a black Adder episode um censuses that's his sense of sensibility, or I think it was. So you can right. sense okay, sense, sense and sustainability. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Sense and sustainability, that's it. And why, why, and why they don't make sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why it's an oxymoron. Yeah, no, okay, I like that. I like that. Exactly. Sense and sustainability. Yeah, no, right, that's good. That's good. <laughs> All right, then, mate. So, so what else have you been up to this week? You've been up to, how, how's your first week back been? Well, last week. Guess where I was last week? Apart from the golf course, after the golf course, I went down mm. Dorset. I went down, I went to go see my friend uh, Paul in um, Dorset. So, nice. How was he? Was he all right? Yeah, it's brilliant. You know what? The, the sad thing was, right, is that Paul, he, he's, he's um, American, he's Australian-American, right? Yeah, Australian-born, mm. but American passport. So whichever you look at, right? Mm. And he's a businessman. He's a very successful businessman. And, um, and he's been down in Dorset all this time. Right. He hasn't left his house. I mean, he's got, he's got a most amazing house, amazing land and things like that, right? So, mm. uh, and no one's been in and out. They got rid of all their, their, their cleaners that come in, so they've been look. And the kids have been, obviously, going backwards and forth to school when it, was, uh, when it was allowed, right? So he's not taking the vaccination until mm. it's, um, it's, it's the Authorised. Right? Yeah, exactly, right? Until it's authorised. But at the same time, he hasn't been anywhere to worry about getting COVID either. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so when he invited the stand, right, we, we always just saw, we, we did our COVID testing before we went, we had a vaccination and things like that. But, and, I, and I said to him, like, you know, Paul, are, are you not well? He goes, you know what, Joe? He said, I haven't seen anyone. You're the first people I've seen in a good part of a year, hmm. apart from the postman or the dustbin. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, so I think, don't you think, like, people would naturally have, have done that? 
over the years. Over, well, the, over the past 12 months, people would have naturally stayed away from each other. Well, this is... You know, I mean, then, he's for, he's you know once again, up. this goes back to this, this, this government of ours, you know, wielding sticks at everybody. You know, yeah. when the incentive... You know, they're, they're, our government's been incentivized to force everyone to do it. And it's all, you know, it's... It, I don't think it's been useful. I don't think the lockdowns have worked. I think no. that there's enough data in. I think if everyone was given freedom of choice to, to behave how they wanted to behave, we would have been out this mess a lot sooner. But of course, for me, even to suggest that I will be ridiculed and, you know, to be, be called names, you know, well, just for I, saying, well, maybe less is more in this context. I, I think it's 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 obviously the, the environment of the world. I mean, where he lives, like, it's, it's, like I say, it's fantastic. You can sort of, sure. you know, but in London, it's a different kettle of fish. Isn't I've got a great theory, though, about um, coronavirus that I will yeah. share with you on the next show. Um, okay. It's to do with all the vaccine uptake and this, that and the other and how everything's just marketing. Um, so, yeah, maybe we could explore that in the next show. I don't know. Maybe everyone's maybe everyone's bored to the back teeth of corona. But, 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 I mean, but, I've, I've done 20 clients this week, mate, and we... we Corona is like one of those things. I set off every single time. I don't want to talk about Corona. Don't want to talk about COVID. Don't want to, don't want to we, talk we, about. We, we but you can't help it. it. Like it just it slips in there. Like yeah. you know. And before you know it, you're both like, you know, yeah, you can, talking you can for fifteen minutes it, yeah. about the lo- lockdowns and all yeah, that. But like I so. said, though, you know, you, your clients are the same wave, same wavelength as you. So you're going to say, "I think it's joke, blah blah blah." But you agree, end on. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. go go back. What I find really interesting. I was on Instagram um, today. Mm. I mean, I did I did make a few points about there was this uh, the uh, European Super League on on LinkedIn, right? So mm. I had a little bit of a banter with. Um, actually, there's this one guy, right? Quite I quite liked him actually, Brian Hewitt, and I, I sort of put my opinion on it, right? And I thought, mm. but what concerns me the most, right, is how come the spuds I've been invited into so because they want nothing, they're not a league club. Anyway, Brian Hewitt replied. We did, we did league in November, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Which was quite funny because they weren't top of the league in November, weren't they? Right, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But going well, back to Instagram, yeah, yeah. was that there was there's a particular salon that advertising a before and after keratin. Mm. How can you be practicing keratin in today's environment? You know, where air is premium. You know, and there's no... Uh, Joe, we're going to have to... St- you can't ask me a technical question an hour in, mate. You yeah, know, right. people, yeah, yeah. people are bought to... But, you know, um, park that one and we'll, we'll we'll talk about that in the next show, shall right. we? Yeah, OK. Um, but going back to... I just want to wrap up with that Super League question because you did ask me about that and yeah. right at the beginning of the show and I kind of did want to put it off because I didn't want... Because I know what me and you are like. We'll, we'll have just talked about bloody football for an hour. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? But... Um, but I think this is marketing, right? This is basically the Champions League with a new banner. And, you know, essentially, this is the private entities, i.e. the clubs, the business owners, fighting back against an antiquated, outdated system yes. of doing doing sport. And at the end of the day, the Americans, there is a, a big American contingent behind this, obviously, because all six all six English clubs that have agreed to do it, they've all got American owners. So, obviously, they're, they're used to this major league series type, you know, the World Series just involving, like, you know, 12 clubs. No relegation, no promotion. Yeah. But I don't think it's about that, mate. I think it's more to do with, like, Brexit and negotiations than anything else. You do know, you they're putting all this... Yeah, I think, I think they're trying to further the conversation. Because it's all to do with money and it's all to do with percentages of what they get. At the moment, it's quite an, uh, an evenly distributed piece of the pie. But yeah. what these big com- big clubs are saying is because they're, they're the um, standard bearers, they're the stars of the show, they're the ones who's... Um, they're the ones who have to spend an inordinate amount of money and losing more money than anybody else. I mean, okay, let me, can, I, can I just interrupt you there, right? Like, okay, we're talking about a big set now. We've got Liverpool, Manchester United, obviously the greatest club in British football, right? Mm. Then you've got Liverpool, then you've got Arsenal. Those three clubs, historically speaking, right, are, deserve the accolade of being a super club. Chelsea yeah. and Man United, um, Chelsea and Man City, 
have got mega wealthy owners. So, okay. Yeah. Well, let's Tottenham come into this then. No, no, but like I say, you're turning it into a partisan argument. Right. I don't. I think. I think the status of the clubs are relevant. I think what's more relevant is the fact that they're all American owners and they're all talking financial, financially. Only, only free, like these, only these free. owners don't recognise borders. These owners don't recognise borders. Right. They just want to be the best. Well, they the don't best? want to be. They want to be the biggest and the best. It's got nothing to do with I want to be the biggest in Europe. I want to be the biggest and the best full stop. And how do they become the biggest and the best? They have to break away from a group which is basically preventing them from creating a better product. But that, so but, I say, yeah. I say it's you know may the best product win. And if the European Super League has no VAR, then I'm all over it. No, I agree with you. Listen, I, I look, I I believe UEFA is corrupt, which which has been proven, yeah, uh, with with the officials and FA is corrupt. Yeah, you know, look look at some of the uh, the the, um, the the who can't sort of speak. Yeah, they, they can't I, be interviewed. I, I don't like the narrative that's come out now that it's for the fans. You know, it's, if it's we not. let this go ahead, it the yeah. fans are going to lose that. We, we, the fans we, are not going to lose that. The fans, the fans are going to want to see the best product they can and in my opinion the premier league's been dog shit this year because of no fans and var ruining it exactly i agree with you totally and what makes me laugh right is a is a government are we going to block this it's a government actually giving the ammunition for these mm. um owners to do something about it. because when do you think say arsenal football club will get a full capacity stadium again yeah three four years time no, well, hopefully in the summer. Hopefully in the summer, no, they're no, talking be, about 20,000 people be, being allowed in, in I'm, the no, I'm talking about 60,000, Aaron, not 20. Oh, right. Yeah, no, I know, I know. Yeah, no, but, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And again, right, yeah, when, when Tour is going to come back, because Arsenal, I'm talking about Arsenal because it's my club, right? Mm. Yeah, they've got a very big, um, sort of like, um, overseas uh, supporters who come to the sort of shop and buy things and things mm. like that. So again, all these things are being prevented by governments, mm. you know, not just in England, but in France, in Spain, in Italy, all these kind of things. So, obviously, the owners have to look at the numbers and sort mm. of say... Well, they've you know, done that. Let, let's let's face it, they've done that. There's a yeah. difference between business and benevolence. Yeah. And I think the two things get misunderstood because benevolence is obviously taking care of the, the lowest common denominator. Right. Do you know what I mean? Whereas business is about you know, striving for forward progress, right? And about yeah. making money in order to sustain your progress and reaching the top. And and I just think a lot of these issues, they get misunderstood and they get miscommunicated. Like like I say, that everyone's Gary Neville's out there on TV saying this is, this is horrendous for the fans. But look at the Premier League, um, Sky Sports, when they changed English Division 1 to the Premier League. Yes. I don't remember Gary Neville like talking about it then as being like horrendous for the fans. It essentially gave him more money. Money, exactly. But no, so Gary he, Neville is now virtue signalling his way about oh this just to just to stay in the press. And I just think it, I just think it's disingenuous that well, these people coming out and saying that. It's well, about the product. Well, what can that, we do to enhance the product? See, again, right, they, they, again, they, they just protect themselves because, you know what, if these clubs pull away, right, they'd be out of a job. Or they won't be out of a job, but they'd be report, they'd be carrying matches with, say, Norwich yeah. and Bournemouth. You know yeah, I mean? exactly. And, and, and obviously they lose money because yeah. as if the Premier League are going to ban Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United and Chelsea from taking part in the Premier League. You know this, is, exactly. this is the first step in negotiation, also, mate. If, so if this is going to run and run. listen to these um, commentators, right, they've all got history behind them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, they've got that history with Norwich, Norwich um, City or um, Bournemouth yeah. AFC. They're just going to be yeah. talking about a football match. Oh, well. It's boring, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I think this one's this one's got a lot of legs, mate. I think, I think this is so. going to run and run. But I think I think shots have been fired. Uh, I think the Super League won't happen necessarily. But I think you know yeah. they will have to change the structure, and that's all this is. This is the top one percent trying to change the structure for themselves, and whether that's good in the context of football or not. Well, it's free, it's it's it's, it's uh, free marketing, right? It's, it's, it is uh, free market. It is free market because if the European Super League should be allowed to happen, and if people enjoy it, then they'll pay for it. But right. if people don't, 
That's if right. people don't enjoy it, it will disappear. Is that, but is my, that... my problem is, my problem is just that everyone's saying they shouldn't be allowed to do this. But it's not the experts saying it. I mean, because they, they, yeah, because these these uh, these clubs already got the uh, the experts behind. They got the the, the lawyers, the money, and mm. all that lot. It's only the uh, the little commentators, the TV personalities, who will literally be out of a job. Yeah, that's how no, I you're right. You're right, you're right. All right then, mate. Well, look, I think that's enough ranting for today. Yeah. We'll have to uh, figure this out later. And it's a school day, so I've got to go and do the All school right, one right have now. Fun. Yes, take care. Joe, where can people find you? Salonomics, LinkedIn, Twitter. And Tele- what's your Telegram. name again? What's your name again? Because that's useful. Salonomics. Joe Mehmet as Salonomics. <laughs> All right then, mate. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> you care. can find me, Aaron Dawn Hare, on Twitter. Uh, that's kind of my Corona channel these days, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but yes, um, and uh, yeah, Salonomics everywhere. And if you want to take part in the future of retail in salons, then go and check out gosalon.uk, where we try and make retail easy for you. Anyway, brilliant. Joe Mehmet, all the best, mate. How you doing? Well done, mate. All right, good stuff. Kids. Yeah, cheers, mate. Take care.